Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I'm pretty excited about a new DNA test that isn't brand, brand new, but boy, has it been making waves. I saw it win the Purina Innovation Prize at Global Pet Expo a couple of years ago, and I thought, really? A DNA test for cats to find out what breed they are and maybe some other information? And I thought, well, good for them, but I didn't really follow it. And then it's suddenly on Shark Tank. And I thought, wait a minute, this is anything that's on Shark Tank is big news. And then it got in my in my book, the 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 stamp of approval from one of the most marvelous vets and innovators and educators around, Dr. Ernie Ward. He's been on the show before. We've talked about pet obesity and a number of other things. But now he kind of is Dr. Basepaws. Ernie, congratulations for being part of what I think may be the future of, of medical care for dogs and cats. I didn't actually know until about two minutes ago that it was dogs as well. It seems like the kind of thing you do. You're out there at the beginning of nutrition ideas and so many ideas, and here you are riding the wave of the future. Is that kind of what it feels like to you? It is, and we are definitely on the wave. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, really my interest has always been in pet longevity, which, you know, that's how I got into obesity and nutrition. Uh, And actually back in 2018, when this company was just beginning, you know, they brought me on as their first advisor. They didn't have a veterinarian. They wanted to get that perspective and advice. So, you know, I've been with them throughout this entire journey, which has really been fascinating. And, of course, you know, you mentioned, you know, winning these awards and Shark Tank and all that. Those really elevated our profile, but it didn't change the mission, which was really to try to get to the foundation of health for pets. And of course, then I take that to say, how can I extend longevity and improve quality of life? And that's really through genetics. <laughs> yeah. And, and in, we sort of have had DNA tests for dogs that, forgive me, they seemed kind of frivolous to me, the ones that were just what breed is your dog? Because I did a yeah, couple of those tests. And, and, back in the day. And they told me that that my dog was three or four breeds, none of which she even faintly looked like. And what good did that do me? But you've taken this to a completely different level. It goes so far beyond the breed of a dog or cat. Yeah, you know, it's it's really fascinating how I originally got involved with 
pet DNA testing. And this goes back to my days as this, the show vet for the Rachel Ray show. You might oh recall. Oh my God. That like seven you were such years. a celebrity. Back the, yes. <laughs> back in the day. Uh, you had hair then, the Ernie. Very first I did have hair. <laughs> but I but love that, you, you know, with the, the fabulous beard and the shaved head. I have to say, I think it's really rad. But yes, well, this you. was a long thank time you. ago. You were I'm, there. I'm a little that... more aerodynamic. <laughs> That's so but, funny. but the very first dog DNA test came on, right? So yes. the very first, and they said, hey, Ernie, would you help us get the word out? And I was really excited, right? And at that time, I remember saying, you know, these tests really tell you who's your daddy, right? I mean, right. that was like you said. Right. It was a bit lacking, right? It was Correct. The, the minimum information. And honestly, it wasn't that actionable by a veterinarian. I mean, some breed insights could be helpful, but at the end of the day, I could look at your dog and give you the same report. Correct. So what we've really, what we've moved towards now is to look at health markers, risk factors, right? So now we know from, you know, years and decades of, of genetic studies that there are certain genetic mutations and genetic findings that can associate with disease. And for dogs right now at Base Paws Vet, we've got over 200, almost 260 markers for dogs. We've got over 64 for cats. And this library just continues to expand because the research, you know, Tracy, is happening so quickly when it comes to gen- genetics. Okay, so let's talk. About, we we regular lay people, we read an article, we hear about DNA, we look at those nice intertwined, you know, ribbons, if you will, we kind of get the idea of genetic markers. We know that there's some markers in humans that predispose you to certain kinds of breast cancer, maybe. I don't even know if there's any others that are widely known about in humans. But it seems like you've drilled down on genetic markers for specific diseases in dogs and cats, whereby you get their DNA and you can predict whether or not they're at risk for those diseases. Is that right? Yeah, and, and prediction is kind of a, a nebulous term in medicine, right? Because right. We, that, we don't know exactly what that means. But we can show that your dog or cat is at risk for developing these conditions. Now, it's really important that the listeners note that DNA is not destiny. It's just a direction, right? Oh, nice. So we know that through certain certain interventions, changing lifestyle, you know, even medical interventions, testing and so forth, we can mitigate or even prevent many of these conditions. And that's like you, you, you cite an example with the BRCA gene, right? So we know that the breast cancer gene for that many women are tested for, they can then decide based on their risk factor for breast cancer, a variety of medical interventions, Correct. including things as radical as, as radical mastectomies, right? But most, most of the time, these people, you know, people with the BRCA gene are going to make a decision with their doctor. But I think that for me, it's the preparedness aspect, right? It's, it's knowing that's empowering because I think what's so frustrating as a veterinarian is sort of these, these diseases just come out of nowhere seemingly, right? Suddenly your, your cat has chronic kidney disease or your dog has diabetes or whatever. And, and I think that what's great about genetic insight is it gives us some idea of what we should be looking for. And that's where people, you know, we, we call this pre-symptomatic. And that's really important too, because if you're going to get your pet insured, you know, you kind of would like Good to know point. what's in the future. And so, right, remember, these are before symptoms develop. So it's it's a fascinating world that we're kind of entering into. And, and I think it all ends up, Tracy, with what we call precision medicine. And that is actually looking at a pet patient or a human patient's DNA and actually saying, this is the drug that's perfect for this condition should it arise. 
So you're looking at, for example, diabetes in dogs. Very few dogs are born with diabetes type 1, right? They develop it. Some breeds may or may not be more predisposed. And I only know that in a kind of, that's all I know, the sentence I just said to you. But if you, and I've known two people whose dogs developed diabetes in middle age, and it was a really big deal, really expensive, insulin, managing food. If you Is that one that you can look ahead into the crystal ball of the future and say, this individual dog may go that way, and then you would perhaps change their diet early or check their pee more often? Or what would that, what would you do in that case, if in fact you have a predictor for diabetes in dogs yet? Right. And this is a fascinating thing too for listeners. This is, we are actually actively researching that specific condition, diabetes in oh, dogs. No kidding. Because as you mentioned, there is, there is a strong genetic predilection for mm-hmm. it. And so we have a very big part of our, our company that is what we call our citizen science brigade. And so basically we are looking, if you're, if you are a listener today and your dog has been diagnosed with, and again, we don't, quite use the terms type one and type two. I mean, you and I use it, Tracy, but you know, many veterinarians kind of, you know, it depends on the specifics of the case. But if your dog is diabetic, we want their DNA because we're actually putting together several research papers, right? And we're also looking at cats as well, although cats have a slightly different form of diabetes. But again, this is, we're right on the precipice of all this. This is what's so, again, exciting because like you mentioned before, this is, we're right now on the leading edge of this. So um, while there are Several, you know, hundreds of markers that we can look for. Diabetes is one that's a little bit, you know, we're trying to hone in on the specifics. We have some pretty good ideas of which genetic mutations are associated, but again, we just continue to need more, more data. And that's really the, the other thing that's important because in the past, the way we did genetic testing was just to look for a specific known mutation or marker, right? Okay. But now what we can do through what, what's called next generation sequencing, and I know this is kind of getting ahead of No, head, but it's good. Of, we need to uh, all learn this because it's yeah. in all of our futures but too, if we're lucky. It is. It is. It is. And all the human genetic testing, they use what's called NGS or next generation sequencing, low pass whole genome. So uh, because we're a newer company, we got to invest in all the latest technology, which means that a lot of our competitors are still using some of the older technology. Now they'll catch up. I mean, it's just right. But but it is fascinating that we can actually now look at the entire genome. uh, and, And so that means that over time, this library of diseases will only expand and we're going to be able to, once we have, you know, a pet's DNA, we can go back and retest for whatever as we, as more research comes online. And that's where I think, you know, right now, if you have a dog or cat that's under age four or five, I would encourage you to ask your vet about going ahead and having its genes tested because, you know, again, this is going to benefit you for the next decade or more. And Tracy, I'll tell you, you know, like we say, oh, we got 240, 50, 60 something markers for dogs now. That's, that number is only going to rapidly expand over the next three, five years because there's so much research being conducted. Okay, so obviously, I mean, selfishly, oh my God, Maisie and Wanda, a seven and nine year old Weimaraner, can, can I do the base pause yeah. DNA tests on them and find out what's going to happen, might happen, could happen in the years ahead? I'd love to finally have a large breed dog that could live longer. So is right. that is that appropriate, even though I could have done it when they were youngsters? But yeah, now not is only it too can, late? but I would say you should. No, I it's want never to. Too late. In fact, yeah, you know, obviously the best, the best 
bang for your buck, the value is going to be the younger dogs and cats. So really, if you get a new puppy or kitten over the next couple of years, please, that should be one of the first things you do. And this is rapidly being adopted around the world. I mean, this isn't just us. I mean, but we're working around the world. In fact, right now, we've got a big initiative in China, right? I mean, because these the Chinese are realizing, wow, this is really important for us to do. And quite frankly, they already do it for humans. So they do? All kind of catching up. Uh, they do. They do. And even, you know, it's funny, Tracy, people always say, oh, I don't, you know, why don't they do it for people? Well, they do. Almost every state tests at birth for a series of genetic disorders. North Carolina just expanded their library no of diseases kidding. this year. So, right. So we're already doing this in a limited fashion, but this just continues to expand. So no matter the age, I definitely encourage you, your older wine miners can benefit because right now they're seemingly healthy. Correct. And if you suddenly said, wow, they're at increased risk for X, Y, or Z diseases, then you can start to, one, precisely monitor for those conditions. So yes. earlier recognition, better outcomes. But number two, you're going to prepare yourself, right? You, maybe you're going to budget. Maybe you're going to get pet insurance. I don't know what you're going to do. But that knowledge, again, is power. And I think that for a lot of, of pet owners, you know, I, I, again, it's not your destiny, right? So I, what, what actually determines the destination are the interventions that we choose. So like, for example, you know, I had my, my genome sequenced uh, many, many years ago. My wife is uh, adopted and we found out her birth mother was adopted. So we were desperate oh, to find some family history, right? So we had our, our full genome sequence. You know, this was back, you know, 25 years ago or so. It cost a lot of money back then. The dark ages. $1,500 a person. Yeah, the dark ages. But nonetheless, we learned a lot of valuable insights about our own health. And that's one of the reasons why I have a certain lifestyle. You know, that's one of the reasons why oh. I'm vegan. That's one of the reasons why I do ultra endurance because I have risk factors for cardiovascular diseases, right? I also have some other risk factors that meant I changed my lifestyle, right? And so, again, I'm trying to sort of change, lessen, prevent these diseases. And I think this is the same strategy that you will apply to your dogs and cats. Like you'll get them when they're young and you'll say, hey, you know, for Buster, he's at risk for developing this type of disease. And therefore, we're going to change things. We're going to make sure to keep him at a lean, healthy weight. We're going to make sure that we watch his kidneys every year or every six months or whatever. Yep. And I think that's a, that's empowering, right? And, you know, people say, oh, Ernie, I don't know if it's going to change anything or not. Well, we don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so are you going to gamble with just saying, I'd rather be ignorant in the dark. I'd rather not know anything. Uh, or are you going to say, you know what, I'd like to try to take control as much as possible, because if nothing else, Tracy, what I think is going to benefit is the quality of life. That is where I think the biggest impact is going to be made. You know, I'm focused on longevity, but at the same time, I always say enhancing quality of life. And I think that's where we're going to make the biggest strides with genetic testing. That's a really good point. And for cats, I know so many people who a, a well a well maintained cat with a good indoor lifestyle could live nineteen twenty years. I mean, it's really sure. quite within possibility. All these people, I don't know who I mean by these people, but I've heard of many people whose cats. Oh well, he was twelve. He got kidney disease. He died. But of right, course, that right. was something that had some preventable aspect to it, particularly if the cat Absolutely. was predisposed. Now we all know that all dogs and cats, particularly cats lose kidney function as they age. But it doesn't mean you have to give it up and let your kidney become totally ossified and die 10 years before you might have. So the exactly. idea of cats who hide all of their ills because they're just masters at that and people reluctant to go to the vet with their cat, it would probably behoove cat people even more than dog people to go to the vet. Well, 
ask ahead of time for the base pause test because you don't want to go there and have them say, oh, I don't have the test. I'll order it for you and have to take the poor cat back again because the cat will divorce you for having taken them twice. (laughs) Get the test and then find out, hey, this cat that I adopted or came to my back door is, you know, an incredible specimen of health and should continue to be so or, uh uh-oh, predisposed to whatever the the tests are that you have that are like your top five, things that would change lifestyle. Go to an all-wet diet, have more fluids, uh, exercise more, you know, play with them more. Of course, we should do all those things anyway, as far as I'm concerned. But it would give people a real medical motivation. The cat's going to have a better, longer life. I love that. And the other thing, too, is that our scientists got really clever a few years ago. They, they would complain to me. They'd say, hey, Ernie, we get all this junk DNA in these samples. We don't know what to make of it. And oh, interesting. Junk DNA has been a term that's been thrown around a, a long time. And basically, it's parts of the genome that we don't understand, so we just kind of ignore it. Well, what happened was these scientists started looking at some parallels in human genetic testing. Remember, these are just a swab of the cheek. So all you do is take it, your dog or cat, you just swab it out. I mean, it's it's very easy to do. And they said, wait a second, the DNA that we call junk actually matches up perfectly with the normal oral oral bacteria. And so now what we've done, right, I mean, these are clever scientists. They said, hey, look, every time we're doing a DNA test, we're actually getting an oral microbiome sample as well. And that has led to a whole variety of diseases that we can actually help, you know, identify earlier, including chronic kidney disease. You know, we're working on stomatitis, gingivitis, periodontal disease. I mean, so, and and again, this is just beginning. And so you can see how clever scientists are saying, let's use everything we've got at our disposal. And then, you know, let's look for how we can interpret this data more. And and I'll tell you, Dr. Ashley Sapphire, who you're probably familiar with, with the Association of American uh, Feline Practitioners, she debuted one of our papers at this year's AAFP uh, Congress in Nashville. And it talked about how we're using our tests, combining the genetics with the oral microbiome to identify chronic kidney disease earlier than any available blood test or urine test. So, you know, it's, again, Tracy, you know, I, I can't contain my enthusiasm and excitement <laughs> because it's, I mean, we're just on the edge, right? It I mean, is exciting. One, it's a signal. And, you know, I, and again, if you could see some of the research that our scientists are conducting right now, I mean, this is just the beginning and it's happening so fast. Well, we have run out of time, but before time runs out for my dogs, I'm going to get a base pause test for both of them, and I'm going to let everybody on the show know what I found out and what I'm going to do about it, because I think maybe I could lead by example. I think that not embracing this extraordinary, like, 22nd century medicine is foolhardy, and nobody should be an ostrich. And the more we know, the better we can take care of them and maybe ourselves, too. Ernie Ward, this is very exciting. I think the fact that baseball is is leading the way and that you are the main cheerleader or the captain of the ship is really (laughs) great news for all of us. Thank you so much for being here. And we will check back in sometime soon when we find out what Maisie and Wanda have hidden in their DNA. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative Pet Talk Radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. 
They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.